Hey, 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 welcome to the Pastor Duke podcast. I'm here in the Soviet state of New York, but I've got Jesus. I've got the word of God in my heart. I got an open Bible in front of me. We're going to learn from the word of God how to stand strong in the midst of an evil world. You know, we teach the little children in our church the song, Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little feet, where you go, for your Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, ears, feet, where you go. We teach our teenagers, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. My thoughts today are beware of the bandwagon effect. Be careful not to let the crowd take you to places you do not want to go. They may keep you longer than you want to stay. It may cost you more than you want to pay. The power of the crowd can be a powerful tool in the hand of the enemy, but it also can be a powerful tool in the the hand of God to work in our life. I want to take our attention to the Passion Week of Jesus. As Christ descended that winding street down the Mount of Olives, a huge crowd was gathered, hoping Jesus of Nazareth would come. Some were gathered simply for the Passover, but most were focused on Jesus. Was he the long-awaited and promised Messiah? They were so tired of Roman tyranny, so tired of the unjust taxation, So tired of the Jewish religious hypocrisy and division, they were thrilled that fear did not keep Jesus away for both uh, the Jewish leaders and the Roman uh, leaders opposed Jesus. Uh, They wanted to kill him. It was common knowledge. Everyone knew it. Would Jesus succumb to that fear? turns out, no, he wasn't fear-driven. As Jesus rode that donkey down the mountain, they cried, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Key word here, Hosanna. For years, I had no clue what that word even meant. I, I thought it meant something like, yippee for Jesus or, or, or Jesus, you rock and I love you, man. And it, it doesn't mean that at all. It means save us now. It's in the imperative mood grammatically. They were commanding Jesus to save them now. Not save them from the penalty of their sin, but save them from Roman tyranny. The crowd was impassioned so much that both Roman and wicked Jewish leaders sprinkled in the crowd were compelled to keep silence. If a CNN reporter was there, they would say, It was a strong right-wing pro-Jesus rally, and it must be watched closely. The crowd was overtly pro-Jesus. Just let that sink in. The crowd was overtly pro-Jesus, but only days later, Jesus had been betrayed by Judas, forsaken by his disciples, and denied three times by Peter, one of his inner circle. Jesus was arrested and bouncing between kangaroo courts. False witnesses' reports did not match up. Pilate knew Jesus was innocent of all charges and wanted to release unto them Barabbas. But another crowd had gathered in Pilate's courtyard, many of whom were no doubt in the earlier crowd that was pro-Jesus on the day of Jesus' triumphant entry. This crowd 
had done a 180 from the other crowd. This crowd refuses to accept Pilate's plan to release Jesus. This crowd cries out, crucify him, which Pilate surrendered to. Satan had clearly enticed the crowd. He's controlling the crowd. Jesus says he's the prince and power of the air. Jesus said he's the prince of this world. Be careful of the crowd. Their critical thinking was now out the window. We see the power of this evil crowd taking over the individual and critical thinking of the people. Groupthink was now in full control. The crowd is gaining in intensity. Anti-God sentiment was boiling over. They are deceived. They think they're doing God a favor by killing Jesus. They just have been deceived. They think he's just another false messiah. Let's be rid of him. And now they believe he's a false prophet. We see here the dangerous power of the wrong crowd. All those in that crowd will hear their own words reverbing for, is that a word, reverbing or reverberating for eternity. Crucify him. Release unto us Barabbas. Oh my. A complete 180 from earlier that week when he rode in the triumphant entry. Be careful, little feet, what crowd you choose to walk in. But I want to interject here the positive side of this, the power of, of a good crowd. The crowd can be a force for good or for evil. Christ established a crowd, if you please. He called his church. He called it, and it, it's a called out assembly, called out of this evil world. He came to redeem us out of this world, called out separate from this world to worship him, to serve him by carrying out his great commission. This crowd will be hated by the world's crowd. But Jesus so empowered his church that he said the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. I'm coming back uh, to the good crowd in a few minutes, but I want to identify the wrong crowd and how it works and how Satan develops it and how he can use it against us. It can be so dangerous. We must be uh, so careful. We must have God's wisdom to guide us. We can easily be deceived. Long before I ever experienced the power of Christ's church, I experienced peer pressure. We called it in the day, just another word for, or words for the crowd. I experienced peer pressure, which can be occasionally a large crowd like Woodstock, man. That's, that's a big one. Never quite made it. Hitchhiked from Mansfield, Ohio, heading to Woodstock. A hippie van picked me up. Uh, we got to central Pennsylvania, heard the New York State through. It was shut down. Uh, the van broke down. We smoked a joint and then headed. <laughs> I hitchhiked my way home. So I tried, but I never did quite make it to Woodstock. I saw the movie 11 times, a documentary. But that's a big crowd. But most of the time, Satan's not going to use a huge crowd. It's going to be a small group of uh, <clears throat> quote, unquote, friends. As a um, grade school kid, I was learning uh, the health hazards of smoking, uh, alcohol abuse, drug abuse. And I determined in my young heart, I wanted to be a great athlete. I would never, ever smoke. I would never drink. I would never do drugs. 
But by the my senior year, I was up to my neck and all of the above. Nearly got busted in a drug deal where I would have faced a 20 to 40 year sentence for my crime. Here's how it happened. Little by little, like Jesus said, a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. I remember a Friday night, YMCA dance, Mansfield, Ohio, guy tried to sell me a joint in the restroom. I beat him up. Not that I was the toughest kid in the world, but man, I'm anti-drugs. That's no good. That's horrible. I'm not going to, and I, I, I beat the kid up in the, in the restroom. I'm telling you, it was, I think it was the next Monday I'm at school. <laughs> One of the hottest girls uh, in the school, two years ahead of me, Debbie, I'll just say M. Debbie M came to me. She was gorgeous. Said, hey, Duke, you want to get high with me after school? I'm like, Yeah. And I smoked my first joint with Debbie M right after school that day. You see, Satan has uh, he has our number. He knows what price it will cost to get us. I'll say no to the kid at, I don't know at the YMCA, but hey, uh, Debbie's awful, awful good looking. And she went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I just, he knows what it took. Uh, he knew, knew what it would take to suck me in, and he did it. And I was powerless against that. Had such strong desires to be cool, to be popular. Uh, uh, my ego was huge. That desire with the crowd completely overwhelmed me, and I was powerless against it. I thought I was doing my own thing, man, and all the while I was doing the devil's thing. I was completely involved in groupthink. It was just sucked into the whole world system and thought I was my own man. In reality, I was just a, a puppet on the devil's string. And yet God would ultimately use a crowd, an evil crowd, to redirect my life. It was a Friday night, February 1972. I was invited to the mother of all parties. I'm kind of hesitant to be as vivid as I'm going to be, but just, I mean, Satan plays hardball. So I go to the, the party, and I was already high, and we're drinking booze. I walk in the door, uh, stick out your tongue, hit it with a uh, blotter acid, LSD, and uh, I was so embarrassed because the girl who said, stick out your tongue, take the blotter acid on top of the alcohol, on top of the marijuana. She was a, a friend of mine, a guy at work we used to get high with. He was an old guy, like 37 years old. Uh, his name was Bob. He had a daughter that married this Bob B, I'll call his name. She's 17 years old, married, and she's dancing in her house naked upon this little table. And I'm like, man, normally I, as an 18-year-old kid, that, that'd be a, something I enjoyed immensely. But I was friends with her dad. It was like incest. I don't want to see it. Put some clothes on, girlfriend. But nonetheless, I'm there. Stick out my tongue. Uh, the blotter acid. I had, hadn't done acid in a year. I had said I'm not going to do that anymore. And she wrote my name with liquid shoe polish on the wall. Duke. D-O-O-O-K. And wrote the time of arrival like 8.17 p.m. And I, I didn't know what she was doing or why. But I, I soon found out. One hour after you entered and they recorded the time one one hour later they'd take you in and hit you up with a shot of uh, heroin i had never crossed the needle line I, that was a line i never crossed that i'm not going to so i'm at this party and i'm so embarrassed normally i think this would be great and then i saw this young girl maybe 15 100 pounds skinny little thing they took her in her hour was up and i found out what that meant the writing on the wall and uh, they took her in about 
probably six or eight guys grabbed her and she was sitting in the corner just kind of high as a kite. They carried her in against her will. She was fighting them. They laid her down on a table and hit her with a, a, a jabbed her with a, a, a heroin and um, their hands were all over her body. And I sat there powerless, paralyzed by fear. Um, I did nothing to help this girl. I was scared. I knew in maybe 20 minutes, my time would be up and they're going to lay me down. You know, hundred people, one needle, you know what I'm saying? And I got scared. I felt ice water go through my veins. I felt the presence of pure evil. And I had been a part of all this. And I, I, I just thinking all those people, grandma Mosher was praying for me. Jeannie, uh, who was the one who invited me to church. She had the whole youth group at Cook Road Baptist church praying for me. My grandma was praying for me. And I remember sitting there in the crowd, completely under control, powerless. I felt like such a wimp that I didn't try to help this girl. She just laid there and started quivering on the table. And they took her down and laid her in a corner. She was obviously OD'd. And I was, uh, I was fearful. I knew in that moment. See, God will visit people in dark places through prayer. I'm sitting there, I got to get out of here. You're, you're allowed to come to the party, but you can't leave till Sunday night at 8 o'clock. I got like 48 hours till I can leave. And uh, in 20 minutes, they're going to run me up with heroin. And uh, there was a little mute, a little food thing. Uh, they marketed to hippies in those days. It was called Screaming Yellow Zonkers. It's like a Cracker Jack thing, yellow caramel on top of popcorn. And uh, they were pretty popular. And I said, hey, where are the Zonkers? Uh, I want zonkers. I thought this was a real party. And uh, everybody, I got them cheering. Give me a Z. Give me an O. Give me an N. Zonkers. Give me zonkers. There are no zonkers. Give me your money. I will go to the store. I will be the prophet who goes out and secures the screaming yellow zonkers. And they gave me 10 cents, 25 cents, a dollar, put it in a in somebody's sock we found laying on the floor and they let me leave. I threw the little bag of money back in. I didn't steal their money. They let me go. I got, I had to walk a half mile to get in my car and, um, I went down to the park and I spent the rest of the night sober. I, uh, actually at that blotter acid, my tongue was dry cause I was high and had cotton mouth. I took that blotter acid and put it in my pocket. So I thankfully did not trip. I actually threw that acid away on my walk to the car. I was scared. See, God can use the crowd uh, to intimidate people. I was a pack leader. I'm the crowd guy. But that night, God used the evil crowd to frighten me and let me know this ain't cool. This isn't what I want my future to hold. And see, the, wor the word of God I had been witness to by this girl, Jeannie. She, I'd been invited out to church. I knew there had to be a better place. And so God was using the crowd to scare me. That was a good thing as his spirit was beginning to work in my life. I'm so thankful for the prayers of my grandma Moser, the prayers of Jeannie and the youth group at Cook Road Baptist Church, and all those who prayed for me to uh, repent of my sin and find Jesus as my Savior. But I was so messed up, and God had a whole new world waiting for me. Well, we all know we're living in a fast-changing world. Not so long ago, the crowd meant a good number of people on the outside of our house, places we had to go to be part of the crowd. But with the social media of our day, the crowd takes on all new meaning. A middle school kid can get bullied in his own bedroom by any number of <coughs> friends 
in social media. The crowd that once dominated the public can now dominate even in private. Or might we say better, there is no privacy in this digital world. Social media has become the new bully on the block. It's become a new crowd that you almost can't get away from. To so many innocent and naive young people, their desire to be accepted, to be cool, to have lots of friends, lots of likes and follows makes them vulnerable to all kinds of new evils, which in reality are just remade old evils. But they are evils indeed, powerful evils for sure, and so horribly invasive in today's uh, electronic world. Another new technology crowd is the 24-7 news cycle. Binge watching the news first hit my world with a Kennedy assassination. Every big event since has followed suit. 30 minutes of news followed by 23 and a half hours of commentary. News people have become icons who abandoned journalism long ago and who parrot back twists and agendas of their parent news organization. For two years, uh, a certain news pundit on the conservative Fox News will move over to CNN and begin to push the total opposite view, a communist view. News junkies have emerged who think they're well-educated because they listen to the mainstream news for 12 hours a day. All the while, they have no clue what is really going on in this world. When you've been told the same lies a hundred times by a dozen different news pundits, uh, people are sucked into the mindset of the devil's global agenda they are led to believe the good guys are now the bad guys and the bad guys are the good guys we all experienced this phenomenon when covid came to town for about a month uh, there pretty much was only the one public narrative all we like sheep we masked up stayed home tried to bend the curve save lives uh, because we're good people we had good hearts we wondered what was best but I remember the insecurity, like, I don't know if all what I'm hearing is true or not. But in time, that when that passionate group of doctors, the frontline doctors came forward from around the country with fabulous results in curing COVID patients with inexpensive approved drugs like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, we saw the crowd, the evil crowd, slam them down, strip them uh, off all social media, fire them from their jobs and completely vilify them. We saw the encroachment and evil power of the crowd controlling the narrative. The media uh, tied with a globalist Democratic Party, Big Pharma and everything, UN, have become the new bully crowd. You dare not disagree with them. Uh, you dare not have a different narrative. They threw away the Nuremberg Code. They threw away the Hippocratic Oath. They threw away 240 years of American medical practice, untested and emergency use only vaccines were forced on to millions who did not want them, but for fear of losing their jobs, reluctantly complied. 
horrible side effects and mass numbers of vax deaths are being hid even to this day from the populace by the mainstream media. The crowd hired fact checkers and all social media giants colluded to censor any voice of opposition. Kind of heading towards totalitarianism. Revelation 13, you think? The crowd is so skilled at framing our world to fit their agenda. They stage events to deceive the public. I was at the Capitol January 6th. I saw Antifa groups staging. I saw the citizens' journalist footage of the Capitol Police opening the doors, allowing them in. I saw the 10,000 National Guards Trump brought to town were nowhere to be found. Pelosi told them not to come. I saw the Antifa. Antifa white buses parked right up at the side of the Capitol where the so-called break-in happened. They had their cameras all set uh, for the media uh, side of things. They were able to sell their lives to millions of gullible Americans. I didn't buy it. I was there. I saw how they did it. The same demonic power that mobilized the crowd in Pilate's courtyard to crucify Jesus is the very same spirit empowering the deep state crowd today to hate everything holy. Satan is prince and power of the year. His agenda was laid out long ago by the prophets. We are not ignorant of his devices. He uses his crowd to intimidate and control all who oppose him. He empowers those who commit to his causes. When's the last time you saw any evil heads rolling? He will do it all the way to his temporary throne in Jerusalem as the Antichrist, where he will sit on the throne in the temple of God claiming to be God. He will ultimately land in the eternal lake of fire, but so sadly he takes most of his crowd with him. Jesus said hell was prepared for the devil and his angels But Isaiah 5.14 says, hell hath enlarged herself. He's empowered his crowd to pull in naive people, to pull in biblically ignorant people, to deceive them, to make them think evil is good and good is evil. So be careful of the bandwagon effect and the evil power of the crowd. I'll never forget when asked upon my first visit to a Bible-believing church, Jeannie asked me, so what do you think about it? <laughs> I said, I'll never forget. It's just like it happened yesterday. It's a whole nother world, man. It's a whole nother world. It was a good crowd, and I knew it. I didn't understand it much, but I could sense it. I could feel it. The Spirit of God was there drawing me in. I knew I desperately needed it. It had only This was only a couple months after that night at that party with the heroin and Uh, Oh, I failed to mention the cops came 30 minutes after I was there. Four people OD'd. Thankfully, nobody died. A whole bunch of people went to jail. And I very well could have, should have been one of them. But God, I guess, delivered me. I knew I so desperately needed a better crowd. In that new crowd, I would soon find awaited me a caring pastor, James L. Standridge, my mentor. There awaited me Sunday school teachers who literally took me into their homes. Jack Carr, Don Smith taught me what a godly husband and father should look like. And I thankfully jumped in with both feet and they received me with open arms. Yes, 
there are some tares among the wheat. No, churches aren't perfect. Even Jesus had a Judas in his church. I had a couple bad experiences with self-righteous, evil people in church, but I wasn't about to throw the baby out with the bathwater. For every bad experience I had in church, I've had a 100 good ones. I chose not to let people mess me up about God, but to let God straighten me out about people. For every bad church experience, I'm telling you, God's got a hundred good ones waiting for you. Get your eyes off people. Keep your eyes on the Lord. We are implored, Hebrews chapter 10, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We are implored to come out from among them, saith the Lord. Come out from the evil crowd and be ye separate, saith the Lord. We all need the encouragement of God's crowd. And we all need to understand we need to avoid. Uh, we need to expose the devil's crowd and, and keep away from it and help pull people out of it. Jesus chose you to be on his team, and his team will be triumphant in the end. Have you experienced, have you entered into the thrill of being a part of Christ's church? I hear people say, well, I don't need the church. Yes, you do. Well, I went there and nobody was nice to me. Find another one. Somebody be nice to you. Maybe it's on you. If you show yourself friendly, I, I find people are friendly back. Get yourself into God's house among God's people. Get yourself a pastor. Or get yourself a small group leader. In his church, you'll feel affection. I got more affection from the people in church than I did from my own family for many years. Have you found the power, the corporate power of, of togetherness around the word of God, hearing a bunch of people say amen, amen, amen? You realize the gates of hell cannot prevail against Christ's church. They might prevail against me, but not against his church. So I'm going to be plugged into the core of his church. Find your gift he gave you for the church. The gift's not for you. The gifts are those in the church. Have you found your gift? Have you been blessed by the gifts that others? Man, I come to church. People sing to me. I hear other people pray. I hear other people say amen to the things that I believe. Man, the church is the, is the cool place to be. He has chosen us to come out of this world and to be part uh, of his church. If Christ is willing to die for his church, should we not be willing to live for his church? Have you shunned the evil crowd? Are you letting them pull you back in? Get out of it. Cut the strings. Have you passionately embraced the church of Jesus Christ, the church crowd? Have you found your place to serve in the church? Man, I'll tell you the bonds that happen when you serve together. I served in the MOPS program in our church, Mothers of Preschoolers. I had about five MOPS uh, leaders serve with me. In the, I worked with the four- and five-year-olds in the MOPS program. Oh, my goodness, we got so close. We had a great time serving the kids of our church, and then the kids love us and the parents love us because we love their kids and teach them the things of God. You know, the devil will have no problem with you. He'll mess with you. If you get completely outside of, of the power of the good crowd, he wants to isolate us from all that God has chosen, that place where we can learn teaching, be strengthened by, the place God has chosen to guide us, the God, place God has placed elders over us to encourage us and to correct us sometimes, to make you know hold us accountable. Those are all the things that we need. That's what a family does, isn't it? We hold our grandchildren accountable uh, for obedience in our, in our place. And we greatly reward them for it. 
I just know people who profess to know Christ. I know people that profess to love love Jesus, but they've never really entered into the church. I'm imploring you. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but much more as you see that day, that evil day, the power of that crowd, as you see that day of the Lord approaching, you and I need church more than we ever have before. So excuse me, but get your butt in church. And not just your body, your mind, your heart, your soul. Get yourself under the leadership of a good godly pastor. It'll teach you to be part of the world evangelism team. Learn what it is to be a missionary. Find your gift. Serve the Lord. Get out of the bad crowd. Get into the good crowd. So I hope I've stirred you up a little bit today. I get a little crazy sometimes. I just want so bad to see people walk in victory. I'm so tired of hearing people make excuses. Eyes on Jesus. Hand on the plow. God has made provision for you, but none of his provision will help you if you're not there where you're supposed to be. Being taught, being guided, preaching will move your will. Teaching will will move your intellect. You need both. So it's out there waiting for you, but it's up to you. It's up to me to jump in. Jesus is watching. He loves you. He's got a plan. Don't miss it. So thanks for tuning in. Hope it's been encouragement. God bless you. Tune me in next time. Like, share, spread the news. So until then, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. Bye for now.